Welcome to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal some entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is presented by Dynamic Manufacturing. Since 1955, Dynamic Manufacturing has a relentless commitment to quality and customer service when it comes to your automotive needs. They've been named General Motors Supplier of the Year 22 times. And whether it's remanufacturing, machining, electrification, motorsports, and much more, there's nothing Dynamic Manufacturing can't do. Find them on the web at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. And by Raul Jewelers, who offer the finest in rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and much more since 1982. They specialize in custom design, so if you're looking for that right gift, especially during the holidays, head to Raul Jewelers on Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates. And they're on the web at rawljewelers.com. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats. Look for them at polinamarket.com and by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dogs and a landmark institution since 1893. They're located at viennabeef.com. This week we get a chance to speak to the man in the red zone, Andrew Siciliano. I knew it was a job that I couldn't turn down. And it's not like you're gonna go, no, I don't wanna work with you, David Hill. I think this idea is silly. Honestly, my initial reaction was, well, great, now I can't watch games on Sundays with my friends because that's what I did. I had my group of friends that I had made and we all sat together on the couch and we followed our fantasy and we someone brought bagels every week. And the idea of not doing that on Sunday, my first thought was, crap, I can't hang out with my friends anymore. The hottest NFL ticket on Sunday is the Red Zone channel and the hottest host is Andrew Siciliano, who was part of the inaugural campaign on DirecTV in 2005. This fast-paced jaunt around the league pretty much describes Siciliano's professional journey, which began in Chicago in the late 90s. But it didn't take long for his career to really go into high gear in Los Angeles, where he's made his home since 2000. He's energetic, dynamic, and a vowed fan of the Cleveland Browns. So, Andrew Siciliano, tell me a story I don't know. A story you don't know. I mean, I've told this story before, part of the story about how Jeff Joniak hired me and how it was sight unseen and it was all over the phone and how I almost told him off on the phone the first time he called me. But we'll get to that one later. Let's get to my first day at WMAQ. This is 1996. Um, I'm hired, again, sight unseen. I show up. Backstory, my dad went to Northwestern. I had always wanted to live in Chicago. I got waitlisted. I finally get to Chicago. This is my moment. And I'm scared, you know what, list. Like, are you kidding me? I'm 21. I got hired in a big city newsroom. I could not be more intimidated. But I'm a huge baseball fan, George. I am, I am the kid that still has, and I was home recently to my parents' house, 30,000 baseball cards in my parents' attic. It was how you I have learned. How many, hold it. You have how many baseball cards? I mean, probably 30,000. 30,000? Maybe, maybe it's 20,000. There are many thousands of baseball <laughs> cards in my parents' attic. And, and this is how I learned the game. I listened to baseball on the radio every day. I was a baseball romantic at heart. And I had never been to Wrigley Field, ever. And my very first hand of the job, it was right after the All-Star break, 1996. So this is July. And I am finally going to get to go to Wrigley Field. And I had uh, never been. And so it was kind of going to be my on-the-job training. 
WBBM's Josh Lewis, a couple years older than me, was going to escort me to Wrigley Field. Josh, local, obviously, he's been there a gazillion times, but this is like going to be the greatest day of my life. We go to Wrigley, and I remember walking in, you know, the press gate, as you know, right at Clark and Addison, right there on the corner, or at least then it was, you walk in, and we went right up a, right up a ramp, and I'll never forget, there I am, Wrigley Field, the Cardinals were in town, there's Ozzie Smith taking batting practice, we go down to the field, and, and I am, it is literally the greatest moment of my life, like, here it is, and then we eventually go up to the press box and I am quote unquote training. So Josh List is showing me the ropes. George Fall, I know you were there that night. And we go up to the press box and I craned my head to the left at one point and I could see a couple of booths down. There is the great Harry Carey. Sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are gonna be in the World Series and maybe sooner than we think. For a a 21 at that point year old kid to be in Wrigley Field and to see Harry Carey even at a distance I mean this is this is baseball nirvana this is like everything that you've worked your young life for you, you I was almost too scared to speak so well I obviously want to meet Harry Carey right it's gonna be a big I, I, I want to finally meet the guy so about the third inning <laughs> I get up George, and I take a couple of steps back, go up the steps, you know, the tunnel, not the tunnel, the hallway behind the press box where they used to put the food out. Mm -hmm. I make a right turn and I walk down to the men's room there at the end of the hallway. And I walk into the men's room and I walk up to the urinal. This is an adult story, I promise. I stand in front of the urinal and do what, do what people do. All of a sudden I hear someone clearing his throat and I hear some coughing. Next thing I know, this is the moment I've waited for my whole childhood as a young broadcaster. Here is Harry Carey at the urinal next to me. Maybe I say something. And then he pulled the ultimate old man move. He just dropped his pants. And his pants and his belt and everything hit the floor. And I'm like, nope, I'm not talking to him. Good, good timing. <laughs> like, this, this is the moment I'm waiting for. And here is Harry Carey, pants around his ankles, next to me at the urinal. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait for the introduction, and I, I, I'm going to pick a moment at another game. You're Not very gonna. lucky that he didn't turn to you and say, hey, kid, <laughs> how about a Budweiser? <laughs> like I, I can't believe to get home and call my dad and say I, I took a leak next to Harry Carey and he dropped his pants. Well, this is a segment that I do later in this podcast, but I'm going to do it now. Let me tell you a story about Andrew and me. It is the okay. summer of 1996, and there is this little guy, like we're little, I'm the same size you are, so we're sitting in the front row of the Wrigley Field press box. This was that opening game for you. You are wearing a sport coat and tie, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm thinking, wrong apparel for Wrigley Field for a Cubs game, even if you're a member of the media. So I introduce myself, and Andrew tells me who he is, and this is his first game covering for WMAQ uh, All News, which is where I once worked. And I would have to say... Andrew, you looked a bit nervous. So tell me, just how nervous were you? 
I mean, I was exceedingly nervous. I mean, you're you're 21 years old. I never I never expected to start in a big market. I never. I, my my first day on the air at WMAQ, I think I was on the air with either Larry Watts or Pat Cassidy. Either way, somebody with the you know the voice of God, and here I am with bad skit, bad hair, and ill-fitting khakis at 21 years old, thinking, "What the heck am I doing?" I just want to make sure I get the names right. So, I, I mean, I, I was absolutely scared, bleepless, because this this is your big shot. Don't screw it up. Yeah, I, it, it's remarkable to look back on those days and uh, and actually thank people like Jeff Joniak, um, who gave me a shot, uh, people like you, George, who, uh, you know, try to show me the ropes as much as you can. Um, you know, people like Chuck Wasserstrom, who used to obviously mm-hmm. be PR for the Cubs, who would, who uh, invited me over. I, I didn't take him up on the offer, but invited me over for the high holidays. Just so many people that didn't need to help did help, and I'll, I'll always be grateful. You know, when you joined the NFL Sunday Ticket Red Zone, did you have any idea that this groundbreaking concept would mushroom into the kind of show it would be because it has been a rousing success and you've been there since its inception. Tell me a story I don't know about that and how it's affected your life. You know, I didn't think it was going to work, to be honest with you. And that, that's not to suggest I thought it would be some crash and burn failure. It was just such a new concept. And if you go back then, and we launched it in 2005, and the backstory is David Hill, the the um, pioneering executive, the Australian who was the man behind bringing the NFL to Fox and putting together that original studio crew and uh, with JB and, and Howie and Terry and that amazing crew and the man who, who brought the NHL to Fox and put the blue dot on the puck and everything, really a, a pioneer in sports television. It was, it was his concept. And he and Eric Shanks, who's now the head of Fox Sports, uh, many years ago um, in the early 2000s, had a similar concept in Italy for Italian Serie A soccer. And they brought that idea to the NFL and in early 2005, late 2004, when the new broadcast deals were done, they said, we want to do this thing. And everyone said, fine. But it was supposed to happen in 2006, much like we see now with Amazon and the NFL. Things start a year early sometimes. And David Hill, who was running both Fox and the NFL, wanted to do that. CBS didn't want to do it the first year. So the first year, we only had Fox. Anyway, cut to the chase. DirecTV was, was owned by Fox at that point. And so all of us in the initial crew, the original crew were Fox people, Eric Shanks and James Crittenden and um, myself, and we were all Fox people. So they came to me as one of these Fox people and said, hey, you're on the radio here. We need someone quick, fast radio. It has to be a radio concept. You're not on camera that much. Um, It's a lot of of radio, play-by-play. You do play-by-play. So that's what we're looking for. And it sounded great. I knew it was a job that I couldn't turn down. It's not like you're going to go, no, I don't want to work with you, David Hill. I think this idea is silly. Um, of course you want to do it. But honestly, my initial reaction was, well, great. Now I can't watch games on Sundays with my friends because that's what I did. I had my group of friends that I had made and we all sat together on the couch and um, we we followed our fantasy and we someone brought bagels every week. And that was my life. And like the idea of not doing that on Sunday, my first thought was, crap, I can't hang out with my friends anymore. Well, maybe this thing doesn't work and we'll be back in a year. So I I never expected it to take off like this. It it was a very new concept. I tell people, George, that we didn't invent 
America's lack of attention or short attention span rather, but we came along at the right time. Week number seven already. It's the Red Zone Channel and NFL Sunday Ticket and Direct TV. Welcome to our studios in Los Angeles. My name is Andrew Siciliano, and you're watching if you're a Sunday Ticket subscriber. We have six games for you early and four games for you late. And who would have thought that this one would be for first in the AFC North? As a matter of fact, it's the latest these two teams have met in seven years with first on the line. You know, we were slightly ahead of our time when it came to multi-screen viewing and the second screen experience where everyone now has their phone open. Um, we, we, we got into it just as fantasy was really taking off. Um, and, um, you know, we, we, we caught lightning in a bottle. And we have a great crew, which many, many of whom, of the, many of those people I just listed are still there from, from day one. And honestly, the reason we're able to pull it off is because we all kind of think with one brain now on Sunday. And, and we've done this now for, uh, this will be 17 years. Do you ever get a sense that you're hosting a reality show? Well, I always say that, the NFL on Sunday is the greatest reality show. I, I also kind of hate reality TV. I think it's, you know, it's like putting monkeys in a cage and watching them throw stuff at each other. That's what a lot of reality TV, at least the old reality TV, you know, people living in a house. So yes, it is a reality show by exceedingly talented people um, in, in exceedingly high stress situations um all getting played out with jobs on the line every single week in real time it's it's the best it's i sound like a sick man but it's the best thing on american television who doesn't love jewelry who wouldn't love raw jewelers family owned and operated for nearly 40 years raw jewelers offers the very best in fine jewelry and engagement rings including mined and lab grown diamonds and they utilize the latest technology and offer jewelry repair on the premises raw jewelers has a glittering array of rings necklaces earrings bracelets and watches and offers custom designed jewelry on the premises and if you have the most specific questions raw jewelers has four graduate gemologists on staff with over 200 years of combined experience and expertise it's no wonder Rawl Jewelers is one of the leading shops of its kind. This is where my wife and I got our wedding bands many years ago, and it's safe to say when you walk in as a customer, you're going to leave as a friend. Rawl Jewelers is located at 3001 Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates, right off I-90 West. Rawl Jewelers, when only the very best will do. The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with Andrew Siciliano on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Imagine if you were a fantasy player or a gambler or both. This show is like a medium rare strip steak with a double baked potato followed by a big piece of apple pie with a scoop of ice cream. Tell me a story I don't know, whether you've ever gauged just how many fanatics watch this weekly frenzy of a show. You realize it when you look at Twitter during the show. Um, like, uh, you know, I, I have my, my tweet deck open 
at, at my uh, on a little stand there on my computer. I don't sit down. I pace pretty much all seven hours, but I have my computer sitting there. And you just you see the instant reactions. Like if we go from game A to game B, and game A was the sexy game of the week, but game B has a team on the five yard line, and it might be between the Jets and the Bengals, and it might be for all intents and purposes, the least interesting game of the week, but there's a team on the five yard line. There are plenty of people that want to see if this guy's going to score or this, you know, something's going to happen there. And you should see the vitriol. You must have money on that game. You (laughs) must have so-and-so in your fantasy line. No, I don't. I, you know, I I had a moment pretty early, um, maybe the first or second year where um, an agent texted me. I had claimed that um, his client had been burned. His client was a cornerback and that his client was the guy that had just been beaten on a touchdown. turns out I got it wrong. It was a different guy. And he texted me and he said, Hey, you can't do that. Like that's not him. He was on the other side. I was like, Oh crap. And then you realize, Hey, you know what? The NFL is watching because I I've over the years had countless players tell me that when they're not when they have a buy they're at home watching us right so well i imagine the homework for each show is perpetual you really you have to know your ins and outs of every team so give us a little insight how this show goes from start to finish so i i'm really fortunate george for two things number one we do have a great crew that has been there most of it from day one and you know play-by-play guys have a spotter and a stat guy a guy that's going to help them who made the tackle and you know that that was nick Foles eighth straight incompletion something like that um i have three of those guys um two of whom pace with me in front of a massive wall of monitors who can help me identify that corner that i just got wrong maybe because he just got called up from a practice squad or something like that and help me with the spotting and another guy who's over on a GSIS or what we call Jesus, um, which is the NFL's internal stat computer. So they can get each of the, each of the numbers as it's entered play by play from each press box as the games go. Um, but the other, the other thing I'm really lucky with is that um, my day job, so to speak at NFL network, which is hosting, you know, uh, a show called NFL Now, which is kind of like the situation room, if you will, on CNN, kind of like mm. mid-afternoon news, is, is that I do that Monday through Friday, and that is amazing prep. What could be, Tom, and, and I'm going to say it here, a long-term injury? I, I don't want to say months and months, but when you hear Liz Frank, it's not a one- or two-week thing. Well, that's right, Andrew. And really, a Liz Frank is a more severe version of what the Panthers have been saying. So by the time I get to Sunday... I pretty much talked out all these storylines for 10 hours of live television during the week. So it's not that I don't prep on Saturday. I certainly do cram and we have, you know, great research packets, but one job complements the other. So I am certainly fortunate with that. So the day is over. You, you have to be after seven hours, you've got to be drained, particularly the way you approach this program. But when it, before it begins, you go through another routine, kind of like with a significant boost. Tell me about that. So I drink a lot of coffee. I assume that's what you're getting at. Yeah, um, a lot of coffee, isn't it? 
on Sunday morning, I get an iced venti five shot Americano, which is uh, basically it's a five shot espresso black, of course, I would never ruin my caffeine intake with dairy. Um, and I kill one of those on the way, well, not on the way to work, but I get that on the way to work. And then um, they hand me a cup of black coffee um, when the show begins at 10 o'clock Pacific. And uh, I probably will go through five more of those during the show. Holy cow, you must be like a hamster. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's what it takes. So that that's... Um, and then I've, I've the last couple of years tried to cut out processed sugar as much as possible, um, except on Sunday mornings during the season, which I'll probably have a donut too. So the the introduction of of sugar for the first time all week probably gives me a little boost as well. Um, and that's a seven hour TV show without really sitting down. <laughs> And you, you really do know your football. Uh, you're like an encyclopedia, and you have to be. And you've had a heck of a streak going. You were the Cal Ripken of the red zone, having never missed a broadcast in 15 years, but a COVID yeah. scare or a precaution, if you will, ended that streak. Tell me a story. I don't know what happened. And if you were disappointed, that streak ended. Yeah, I was disappointed. Um, I, I wanted to work, absolutely. But in look, it's the right thing. It was the right thing. Um, the shortest version of the story is um, we were doing same day rapid tests uh, at the studio. So on Sunday morning, so because uh, I, I'm not working with a mask. I, I mean, for seven hours, I'm running around a studio um, screaming half the time as well uh, without a mask. And I have there are four, five, six other people on stage all wearing masks, but many of them have to be in very close contact. So we decided in the interest of everyone's safety, them from me and me, maskless from them, we, we're going to test everyone on Sundays. Uh, well, I got a false positive week six. I came in, uh, got to work normally as I do at 645 and uh, took the test. And then 15 minutes later, they came back and said, you got to go home. You, you tested positive. There's no way. So I said, test it again. Had to get on the phone. My boss wasn't there yet. Eventually, after a bunch of phone calls and hitting HR, um, they said, okay, test it again. And I came back negative. I was waiting in my car. They came back and they said, you tested negative this time. And I said, great, let's go. I'm working. And they said, no, you can't. I said, why? They said, well, how do we know which test was accurate? Which is a fair point. In the moment, it's nothing I wanted to hear. I said, well, give me a third. And they said, that's great. But, but two out of three is still not how it works. Yeah. And so I got my personal physician on the phone, woke him up on a Sunday morning. And he said to me, you know what? You're probably fine, but they're making the right decision from a public health perspective. God forbid you actually are positive. You're going to work for seven hours maskless in a television studio, which is not well ventilated, and you run the risk of getting everyone else sick. It's just not worth the risk. I wasn't happy about it, but look, it was the right and safe thing to do. Long story short, it was a negative. Thankfully, I didn't find out truly that it was negative for another 24 hours with multiple retests, but I watched the games on the couch that day for the first time since 2004. 
that had to be freaky. It was awful, to be quite frank. Um, look, no one died, and uh, there were there were there were people that that dealt that uh, were dealt a far worse COVID hand than me. I'm very very lucky. Hey everybody, good morning. Quick update: I'm healthy. I'm good. I tested negative. PCR test all the way up the nose, the real reliable one, the one that hurts, came back negative. And I'm good to go, and I'm ready to put Sunday behind me. Listen up, OEMs. First impressions are lasting ones. Dynamic Manufacturing's impressive complex in Hillside, Illinois, includes nearly a million square feet of operating space. I had a chance to view some of it, and I was overwhelmed by the organization, technology, and dedicated workforce. Dynamic Manufacturing provides solutions for engineering, manufacturing, machining, and logistics, and they can re-energize your electric and energy storage systems. They can machine any project, no matter the size. And when it comes to motorsports, they're your trusted partner for chasing podiums with their custom torque converters. Dynamic Manufacturing is your one-stop for all your remanufacturing needs, and they can't wait to engineer a custom solution for getting maximum value from experienced parts. Dynamic Manufacturing, where there's nothing they can't do. This guy, Jeff Joniak, we have mentioned him before in this podcast, and of course I know him rather well. He actually hired me at WBBM News Radio. And he, he hired you too? He hired me when I was 56 years old. <laughs> Very interesting. WBBM News Time 346, our new time for sports, and here's George Hoffman. The way the White Sox are playing, they need another break. They lost again, this time 6-5 to the Royals. That's seven straight since beating the Cubs before the All-Star break. He hires you... Yeah. At age 21. What was that like? And making the move to a big market like Chicago. The backstory of it is uh, I was getting out of co- I was getting out of school. I-, I was at Syracuse. Now, I had worked a bunch in news. I was working at the local radio station, WSYR, uh, which is like a big all news talk. Really, if, if you look at the New York, New York State radio stations outside of New York City, the two best stations are WGR in Buffalo, among others, and WSYR in Syracuse. I was very fortunate to have worked there for a couple of years in school. And I was doing news. I graduated and I was making five dollars, five large American dollars an hour um, doing news. I was covering uh, school board meetings and interviewing Mayor Roy Bernardini and um, going to fires and warehouse clothes. Oh, if, I only, mean, every... if only Harry Carey could have gotten a hold of that name. Oh, Let me tell you I know. All Roy Byrne. Yeah, I can't do it. I was doing all those things, um, making five bucks an hour. And when I graduated, I didn't have a job outside of the city. I was going to stay in Syracuse. And so I was at that point living on my buddy's couch. My parents were thrilled that I, $5 an hour. My buddy, um, Matt Park, who is now the, the voice of the Orange, voice of Syracuse, has been for many years now. I was living on Matt's couch. And I'd sent out a whole bunch of tapes. And somebody, um, a, a Syracuse alum, had suggested I send one to this guy, Jeff Joniak. Okay, so I did. Um, there's no way I'm getting a job in Chicago. It was another one of those tapes that I'd sent out and never, never thought I'd ever hear back from. And um, I didn't have my own cell phone. And the number I put on my resume tape was my buddy Matt's home number. So I'm on the couch. And the night before I had been called in to 
do something for the news station. I don't know what it was. And I was not happy about it. I didn't get much sleep. Um, I'm this uppity 21 year old kid. And at like, because remember, Joniak was doing mornings then, I think, on MAQ, morning sports, 15 and 45. And so that man has no time, sense of time. He doesn't care if he wakes you up. And he called at like 6.30 Eastern. And my buddy answered the phone and he yelled, it's for you. And I, I was convinced that it's like, they're gonna send me to a warehouse fire. And so I picked up the phone, I'm like, what? Andrew? Yep. Andrew Siciliano? Yeah, what? Uh, this is Jeff Joniak um, at Metro Networks, WMAQ in Chicago. Did I catch you at a bad time? So, oh, 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 and and like I, I jumped up and and I begged his forgiveness a hundred times and like all I could think of is I blew it. I, I absolutely blew it. I'm being an ass to this guy because I had no idea who it was. And somehow he hired me, somehow. And then I drove to Chicago. Um, I, I, I parked near NBC Tower. I waited, um, you know, by all the unwashed masses who had queued up to get into the, the Jerry Springer show in the lobby. Oh downstairs. yeah. And then Jeff sight unseen came down and came around the corner there through security. Um, and then looked at me again with my ill-fitting khakis and my bad skin. And he tells the story far better than me, but uh, he just went like, Oh God, what did I do? This kid is going to get eaten alive. <laughs> but he had hired me for, for $12 an hour. And I had packed everything I owned in my car and driven from, uh, from New York. It worked. It didn't take you very long to wind up hosting the Bears postgame shows. So this is yeah. your introduction to the NFL. It earned you several awards. You were up and running quickly. Yeah, that was actually my last year there. That was 99 because we, we didn't get the Bears until a little bit later. My first year there was the old Hallis Hall, uh, and I was up there pretty much daily. That's when, you know, when Dan Bernstein was on the beat and uh, Mark Carrier, mm -hmm. that old team and from that old press room. And so I kind of got my first taste of the NFL then and uh, off and running. You spent only four years here, I think, and, and you accomplished yeah. a lot from learning the ropes, covering the games to – you know, eventually doing those Bears postgame shows. So tell me a story. I don't know the good, the bad, and maybe the ugly about Chicago. I got a lot of parking tickets. I got my car towed. <laughs> Welcome um, to the club. I uh, I had uh, Bonnie Buck, our, our old news director. I remember Bonnie. You remember Bonnie? She was sure. awesome. She was like a second mom to me, and I, I, I we need to get back in touch. She had given me one of those like police placards, right, to, to cross police lines. And I just decided to throw it on my windshield um, every time I parked it at meter and I didn't have change because, hey, I'm covering a story. They're not going to give me a ticket. <laughs> well, I got a couple of tickets. No big deal. And then one day I came down from MAQ and uh, couldn't find my car. And I'm like, son, of, like, I don't I don't I don't have any money. And my car just got stolen so what the hell and so i went back up to bodies off to the newsroom and like how do i what do i do can anyone like who do i call to say my car has been stolen and i walked into bonnie's office and i'm just despondent and uh she goes where'd you park so i explained where i parked just hold on and so she's on the phone uh-huh uh-huh what is it and 
I said, it's like a red Dodge Charger. I go, it might have uh, Virginia plates. And, and she goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. She goes, yeah, it's at the uh, it's at the lot, idiot. You got towed. Here's the address. Go pick it up. At the pound. At the pound. An ugly um, place, by the way. Oh, God. I got towed another time. Um, <laughs> um, I was really good at getting my car towed, George. I mean, really. Oh, I know the good one. Here's another car story. All right, George. I'm doing morning sports. So my first my first hit is 515 on WMAQ. And I am living in, in Lakeview. And it was snowing. It was like the week of Christmas, New Year's, that kind of week. My first year, 1996. And I, I, I wake up at like 4 a.m. And I come downstairs. And then as I get downstairs, I see there's a fire truck parked on my street. I'm living on Melrose, parked on my street. And it's blocking the driveway. I'm like, how the heck am I going to get my car out? So then I go into the garage. And I see in the back of the garage these two firemen working on a car. I'm like, oh, wow sucks to be that guy and then i get all the way to the back of the garage george and my car is on fire it was your car it's my car on fire there's a short circuit in the dash i'd gone to the bulls game the night before thank god it didn't just like you know blow up and spontaneously combust in the united center parking lot but my car was on fire it was like crispy to like burned to a crisp they put it out and the cop was nice enough to drive me to wmaq I didn't have a car. My car committed suicide. Gosh, I, I feel like you're lucky to get out of Chicago. I, I, I love, I, none, of those are sport, none of those are sports stories. I, I love my time there. I wouldn't, I, I, I thought I would never leave, to be honest with you. I thought, like, I loved it so much. I, I was convinced I would never leave. Mark Silverman um, became a great friend, and, and all his, like, Niles North and, and North Shore friends became my friends and my social circle, and I, I loved it. Like, I, I, I cried when I left Chicago. Did you ever have designs of trying to build a career here? Oh, I, I never wanted to leave. I, I totally, absolutely never wanted to leave. Um, and then when the whole WMAQ score switchover happened in, in 2000, um, I was offered a job to stay at the score. really wasn't defined what it would be. Um, but then at the same time, uh, Fox was launching its national radio sports network in LA, and somebody reached out and offered me a job, and I went like, what the hell? Here we go. And I left. No one, I mean no one, does hot dogs better than Vienna beef. That's because they've been doing them since 1893. Imagine biting into a delicious all-beef Vienna hot dog, dragged through the garden, which includes yellow mustard onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and celery salt, and just try that on one of their Polish sausages. Vienna products are available everywhere, from your supermarkets, restaurants, the ballparks, and zoos, just to mention a few, and you can purchase them online at ViennaBeef.com. And look for their farm acres, chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Find them at ViennaBeef.com. Ever been to the Polina Market? If not, what are you waiting for? It's been Chicago's premier market for the finest meats and much more since 1949. Their steaks are top of the line, but there's also chicken, fish, and those mouth-watering sausages. And you might spend hours just perusing their frozen food section, all made fresh. And now the expanded Polina Market offers beer, wine, and sandwiches. It's become a one-stop shop, making your in-store experience well worth your time. And you can still order online. I've been 
been shopping here since 1984. Paulina Market is simply the best and conveniently located at 3501 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Check them out on their impressive website at paulinamarket.com. It almost seems like this stuff happened overnight, but before you ventured onto the set of the Red Zone, you did Arena Football League in Vegas and yeah. L.A. Tell me a story I don't know about a fractured, if not bastardized concept that had to be like calling a pinball game. It was like calling a, a basketball game, to be honest with you. you. You'd see sometimes, I think we had like an 80 to 75 playoff game at one point. It was awesome, to be honest. And it, it's I've always wanted to do play-by-play, -play, and I did in college, but I hadn't done it in Chicago, and I've been out of it for, I think at that point, six years. And um, I, to be honest, I, I had seen in the newspaper, remember those, uh, the story that the team from Newark, the New Jersey Gladiators were relocating to Las Vegas. And at that point, it's eight weeks before the season is to begin. And so I had a friend here with the LA team and I said, who do I call? He said, call this person. So I called up and I left a message and I said, hi, my name is Andrew. I live in LA. I'm, um, here's what I do. I would love to do your play-by-play. -play. Uh, they called me back and said, uh, yeah, we don't even have places to live. We don't have anyone selling tickets and we think we're going to play in, in the Thomas and Mac, but we're a disaster. No, uh, we'll call you later. I said, great. And then they called me a week before the season and said, um, can you fly to Vegas tomorrow and interview? I said, sure. So I flew to Vegas and um, I somehow got the job. And then I realized I'd never seen an arena football game, uh, save for one. So I called up my friend with the LA team and I said, I need you to teach me arena football. <laughs> so I, so he's like, all right, come on over. And he popped in a couple of VHS tapes and I did a crash course on arena football. I, I loved it, George. I, I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. And I got to see so like there's so many guys from from the Arena Football League that are now uh, here in the NFL. Matt, Na I called Matt Nagy. That's right. Yes. Right. Um, uh, Mike Fury, Bears assistant. Uh, David Baker is now the head of the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was the commissioner. Isn't the most um, famous guy from there? Would Would he say Kurt Warner is it? Kurt Warner was out of the league, but Kurt Warner had already moved on to the NFL by that point. But yes, Kurt Warner obviously was the biggest name, um, uh, the, is the biggest Serena League name of all time. But uh, there, Jay Gruden, was, I call Jay Gruden games. He was a quarterback. I mean, we, we saw some pretty wild stuff. I used to fly to Thomas and Mack and then uh, on, on game day from Los Angeles, and I had done a morning show back then. And I, I would just go, sleep in the stands at Thomas and Mac for five hours until people started filing into the arena to do the game. We all, all of us, have stories about our childhood, something that clicked to get us where we are today. Tell me what clicked for you and when? As a kid, back when uh, everyone listened to the radio, I knew how to find, growing up outside D.C., every single team from Chicago East on the AM radio dial after the low-power stations went down, usually at 8.30. So I could listen to 1000. I could listen to GN. I could listen to the Red Sox. The best signal was 1080 TIC out of Hartford. I could listen to the Indians on 3WE. I, I could listen to the Braves on WSB. 
Now, sometimes there were horrible, crappy signals and mostly it was static and it would just fade in and out. But that that's that's what I did every single night. Believe me, I did I did the same thing. I did it even later on after college. I would yeah. I would try to hear well, earlier than that, I would try to listen to Harry Carey at KOX. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the blues games with Dan Kelly only because I thought Dan Kelly was great. So I get that one. I mean, you would call sports phone or, or, or whatever. Um, and those would only be updated on the hour. I remember that well, since I was part of the original group here in Chicago back in 1978. Everyone has to find a way to unwind and you do some one you're unwinding in some rather high places. I mean, very high, higher hmm. than I've ever been. That's for sure. You're a hiker. Yeah, it's my um, it, it's how I get away um, and kind of unwind. It, it's not just hiking. It's, it's travel in general. There's no greater joy I get, George, than seeing the world and, and seeing new places, experiencing new cultures and people and food. If I can mix those two together, that's even better. You've done some rather interesting hiking. We're talking about some very famous places, yeah, like, for I, example, I did, Kilimanjaro. I did Kilimanjaro. Uh, that, was, that was awesome. Um, that was in 2014. That's the highest I've ever gotten. Um, it's the highest peak in Africa. It's 19,300 roughly. Uh, that was big for me. That was, I turned 40 that year. I had a bad neck injury that year too. That was emotional for me. Um, Machu Picchu, some others, that's not nearly as difficult, but, um, oh, here, you want a good story that there was a, a trip to South America. There's not a hiking trip, George, but I, I was, you want a story? I was in South America. I was in Chile for the 8.8 earthquake in 2010, which is good the sixth, sixth largest recorded. That one's a good story. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a time where you don't want to be hiking. No, I was not hiking, thankfully, for that one. But um, yeah, hiking is is great. And the more I can do it and, and the more the, there's a, a, a quietness, there is a serenity, there is a peacefulness. Those are all kind of synonyms. After an incredibly frenetic pace that you go through, the last thing you want to do is that. You probably want the opposite. And hiking is that. Yeah, I'd like to put on a podcast or, or just get in my own head. I, I often go with people, but I often go by myself. Um, I, I cannot recommend it enough. It's also a great workout. Um, it's great to see nature. Uh, I'm a huge proponent and I think a lot of people did in 2020 of just seeing this great country and the, na- the, the national parks that we have, uh, which are truly treasures that hopefully all can enjoy. I know it's not kind of corny right now, but uh, I am all for it and uh, find some peace and quiet in nature. You grew up in Reston, Virginia. Your dad is Italian, your mother is Jewish, and I'm thinking this must have been one fascinating household. Yeah, we we majored in guilt. Um, uh, Yes. I know that. Dad's Italian, mom's Jewish. Um, I give my parents a lot of credit. I hope they don't hear this because the last thing they're going to hear is me giving them credit. But um, the uh, people often say, well, like, what do you do in in mixed religion households? I'm going to let my kids pick. Well, that's that's nice. I mean. For some families that works, but 
my parents kind of said, here, we're going to give you an identity. We're going to raise you Jewish because my mom's Jewish, uh, but we're going to expose you to everything. Um, so you have an identity. You can be proud of who you are, but at the same time, understand that, you know, there's other things out there like dad's side of the family. Um, unfortunately, my mom's parents, my grandparents on that side died when I was very young, really didn't know them. So we would always spend Christmas with my dad's family, with whom we're obviously very close, equally close. And so I, I was always very welcome in the quote unquote Christmas world, if you will, and would go to church to see my cousins sing. And I would always get, always get crap from my friends growing up. Oh, you, you, so you get Hanukkah and Christmas. Like, no, we're not. We're Jewish. We celebrate Hanukkah. There's no tree in our house. I'm um, not, there's anything wrong with that, but yeah, we go to my grandmother's house on Christmas because we're off school and where else would we go? Like, well, you got Christmas presents. Like, no, my grandmother's going to give us a, a, a gift in December regardless. Um, she happens to put blue wrapping paper on it because she's cool. Like, what does it matter if it's blue wrapping paper or green wrapping paper? Um, you know, there's a reason they're called Judeo-Christian religions. They are quite similar. And uh, I am very fortunate to, uh, to, to be able to live in both worlds. Your dad is very much part of your Sunday routine. And also, I might add since he's from Cleveland, makes you a Cleveland fan. For yeah. two franchises, by the way, that haven't won championships in a long time. We can say that here now in Chicago. Yeah, a long well, time. If not, let, let's just cut the crap here. If not for that BS rain delay, the Indians were going to win. There was zero bleeping reason for that rain delay. You know it. I know it. As a former Wrigleyville resident, I, I am elated i always will have a soft spot in my heart for the cubs but i just i mean come on there's no reason they should have stopped that bleeping game the entire world knows it that said they could have should have won in uh 97 i actually missed game six to go to josh liss's wedding at the lincoln park zoo against the marlins uh game seven i believe was uh that was part of a bears monday night rescheduling as well that year they were in miami um, I call my dad every Sunday morning on the way to work. I've done that every day for the last, uh, every Sunday for the last 16 years. Um, he generally will say the Browns are going to lose. I will generally say they're going to win. And then one of us is right. Um, my biggest challenge on Sundays is when it comes to the Browns and the Rams. Um, I, I've worked with the Rams now for 10 years. Welcome to SoFi Stadium and welcome to the broadcast booth. My name is Andrew Siciliano. It's an honor to be here with ESPN's Mina Kimes and five-time Pro Bowler and member of that Rams Super Bowl team from a couple of years ago. Welcome to the booth, Akeem Talib. Is trying to maintain my cool. You must be happy working the red zone, but you're only in your late 40s. And I say this only because I've been there and done that. So uh, given that, uh, and pardon the pun, what's the next mountain you want to climb? It's a great question. It's something that I was actually having a conversation with recently with a friend trying to figure out. I would love to do more games. Well, let, let me start with this. I love both my jobs. I cannot emphasize that enough. It's not just kissing the asses of my employer. I truly, truly mean that. Um, I get to come on TV every day uh, at NFL Network act like a jackass, talk about the news, um, travel to training camps every year. I, I mean, well, I love it. And then on Sundays, there's no other job I'd rather have than that one. Um, 
I would like to do more games though. Uh, this will be my 10th or 11th year doing the Rams preseason. So I, I get it. I, I love doing that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, it's only the preseason though. And there's only a couple of them and the preseason uh, might be extinct in a couple of years anyway. So I'd like to do some kind of additional play-by-play -play. NFL network. I get the senior bowl. I get the East West shrine bowl. Um, the Black College Football Hall of Fame game. You know, we, we have a couple of games in-house here, but I'd like to do a little bit more. So that that is the next mountain to climb, so to speak. Um, you know, a game show, a travel show, a food show. I think every sportscaster would like to do one of those too, but, you know, there's only so many of them. I ask this final question to all my guests. Andrew, if not for sports broadcasting, what would you have been? That's a great question. Um, you know, I didn't go to school for this. I went to school to be a writer, George. I know this sounds kind of silly, but that shy kid you met at 21 at the Wrigley Field Press Box is kind of still me in many ways. So I got into this business as a writer, and then I somehow ended up in radio, and then I somehow ended up on TV. I'm just so lucky to do what I do. I think you picked the right profession. Thank you, Andrew Siciliano, for telling me a story I don't know. My thanks to the Red Zone on DirecTV, the NFL Network, WBBM News Radio, WGN-TV, and ABC7 in Los Angeles for those fabulous highlights. And thanks as always to TJ Reeves for putting this podcast on the map, Will Hatzel for his deft editing and mixing, and Nicholas Tochi for our graphic designs. And to our generous sponsors, Dynamic Manufacturing, where there's nothing they can't do. And Raul Jewelers, top jewelers in the northwest suburbs on Barrington Road and Hoffman Estates. Come in as a customer, leave as a friend. Also, the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats and much more. And by the Vienna Beef Company, home of Chicago's hot dog and an institution since 1893. Tune in next week for another fascinating episode of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman. And that's all she wrote. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.